Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right, man. Welcome back to the God Center Men's Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Tim Holloway, and I am glad to be back at you again. Happy Wednesday. I hope you are enjoying your week. I hope you're keeping your mind free from all the social media chaos. Um, I try to. I'm doing my best. I am putting every effort that I have inside of my being to avoid the chaos. But sometimes I get pulled in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I can't help myself. Uh, at any rate, if you're new here, this is a uh, podcast for Christian men inside of recovery to live an awesome spirit-filled life. So if that is you, then welcome. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to click on the link that is inside the description here, and I'll take you to information about our GCR groups. Um, do that. Jump on a call with me. At any rate, we're going to get it right into our topic. So... Um, we're going to take a pause from the book of Luke for a, a couple days or so. Who knows? Uh, but I'm going to go into drinking my own Kool-Aid. And so we're going to go back to a session uh, from one of our GCR groups about the flesh. And I'm going to drink my own Kool-Aid. I'm going to answer uh, the questions that are inside the the curriculum and the material and uh, hopefully it'll be beneficial to you guys. Uh, if you want this uh, material, you can go ahead and reach out to me on social media, and uh, I will drop you the PDF if you're interested. But we are talking about the flesh. Uh, Jesus said this. He said, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation, uh, that was the message that the, that Jesus said. And to watch means to keep awake, be on guard, be vigilant, alert enough to avoid danger, uh, stand in a defensive state and attitude, and uh, be ready to protect and defend. Um, so I just wanted to say that before I go into these questions here. But So what are your thoughts on all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and how is that truth manifested in your life? So for me personally, um, it was a very hard lesson uh, because even after I, I came to Christ, I, I was under the assumption that um, that I could be perfect and that I can keep all the commandments and somehow measure up and all of those things. So um, I think it's a lesson that we all have to learn. And I believe that... Um, you know, Jesus' interaction with with the uh, religious right um, and self-righteous religious people of his day um, was to communicate that message in some way or in fashion that, hey, look, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who seeks after God, right? And so I think we have to learn this sometimes even after we enter a relationship with God because uh, we might be under the assumption and have a lot of pride and have a, a maybe a, a holier-than-thou sort of attitude uh, that we're somehow better and that this humbling experience is very good for us. But I learned very quickly that my righteous and good behavior um, was not going to give me acceptance with God and that I found myself uh, falling short in so many ways. 
And that, of course, brought me to my knees and to say, you know what, I can't live this life on my own. I can't do this thing by myself, and nor am I even expected to do so. So we have this idea out there that we are supposed to, you know, somehow be holy and keep all the commandments, and then God will love us and God will accept us. And we go on our quest to do that, and it's all an illusion. We we are we are not really uh, maintaining some perfect standard. And the quicker and sooner we recognize that is the sooner that we give up. Now, I personally believe that it's hard for people to say, you know, as far as their their uh, holy commandment keeping, that they need to stop and they need to kind of give up. But the bottom line is, is that that I didn't experience any real spiritual life till I gave up, and that is that I stopped trying to earn acceptance and approval um, through my good behavior. Uh, through my commandment keeping, through uh, striving to meet the expectations of God, because I always fell short. So when Jesus had these conversations with like the rich young ruler or or, or someone else, for example, and, and, and he asked, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus responds, you know, keep the commandments, right? Did Jesus really think that 100% keeping the commandments would earn him uh, acceptance with God? Yes, Absolutely. But the fact is, is that nobody could do it, <laughs> right? Nobody had the absolute ability to to keep the commandments, and so he he led him to the commandments. And and what was the the dude's response? He said, "All of these things I have kept from my youth up." And what it was is is a spiritual religious entitlement that said, "You know what? I I am not a sinner. I haven't failed. I I keep the commandments without spot and without blemish. Therefore, I am entitled and worthy and deserving." of all the good things to take place in my life. And I haven't found that to be the real case. What I found to be the case is that in my struggles to try to achieve perfection, in my struggles to try to measure up to the standard, I fall short. And um, that brings a lot of humility. And it's probably a very good thing. We, we, we often wonder why we struggle with uh, different sins and different struggles and, and different things that take place in our life. And if it accomplishes reliance and humility, then it's probably a good thing. Uh, we think that, you know, walking in a perfected fashion. I remember, um, you know, when I got baptized and thinking, you know, after my baptism that I was going to, you know, jump out of the water and be super Christian and, and things were going to go easy and it's going to be smooth sailing and I'm just going to conquer and overcome all these problems. And uh, it was just simply not the case. And we often portray that to other people. Come follow Christ. Uh, he'll change your life. Everything will be... Uh, uh, you know, sunshine, roses, and unicorns, and rainbows, and all of those things, and it's just not reality. Um, we we are going to struggle with sin, but uh, the rea- the reality is is that that engaged in that battle, we learn humility, and we learn dependence, and we learn to have a relationship and a connection with God. And so, through it all, uh, it's a good thing. So, all have sinned. This is this this. This idea of all for me is me, you, and everybody from here to Timbuktu, <laughs> right? Uh, all means all. 
And so there, there, there's some select groups out there that say that, uh, uh, you know, they're meeting the standard and that they're, um, they're the one true church and, and they have the full gospel and have the 100% revelation. And to me, that's all BS. That's all ludicrous to me because the fact is, is that no matter which organization is out there, there's going to be sin tainted inside of it. And there is going to be the conditions of men's hearts that run it that are far from perfect. So when I, when I see this all have sinned, I, I conclude all organizations and all people under that same thing. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't have good intentions, but what it does mean is that no one can have the corner on absolute truth. Nobody can have the corner is that they're 100% doing it right because it's just not the truth. So all I've sinned is a, is a very comforting thing to me. Me personally, I relate to it. You know, there was a, there was a time where, where I wanted to, to think that, you know, the, the relationship with God would, would keep me sinless in some fashion. Um, but the reality is, is in my life that I see uh, sin present. And when I acknowledge it, when I accept the truth, when I when I look at it with vulnerability and be honest and open, I'm able to move forward. And this is super important inside of recovery because we have a tendency to hide our sins. Like somehow, you know, we 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 firmly believe that acceptance with God is dependent upon our perfect life. We do. Otherwise, we wouldn't hide, we wouldn't lie. We wouldn't pretend. We wouldn't do all these things. And I firmly believe that the the number one problem with the world today is hypocrisy. Now, there might be people that, that tell you something different, but down to the core, there is double standards and there is hypocrisy everywhere. So to come out of that, that religious system and come out of that idea of hypocrisy, which is it's good for the goose, but not for the gander, right? Like do as I say, not as I do sort of scenario, that um, to be able to come out of that, is to bow in the in knowing that all have sinned. Everybody's in that state and condition. So that's uh, that's what how I answer that question. That was probably kind of long winded. Question number two: In what ways can you relate to Adam's behavior after he failed to listen to God? And so inside of the curriculum, it says human nature is a fear based nature. Uh, that we see inside of Adam after the fall, after disobeying God, Adam begins to hide from God. He skips his normal routines. He starts lying. He runs from God's presence. He begins to blame shift. He doesn't take any responsibility and he makes excuses. And so here, here's the reality about the condition of man. Um, this is what takes place. So you ask me, what do men look like that don't have the spirit of God in their life or, or have not submitted or yielded to God? And I tell you, it looks like this. They hide from God. They skip their normal routines. They start lying. They run from God's presence. They blame shift. They don't take responsibility and they make excuses. And we have a whole culture that's centered around, you know, hiding and lying and double standards and hypocrisy and all of these things uh, that are, are very evident to the this fear-based sin nature operating inside of the world today. And I look at it in my own life. 
and I say, you know, when I begin to sin, and most importantly, when I begin to see, say, uh, I'm going to do this sin uh, despite what God says. You know, God says specifically to walk in this direction, and I say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. And it's more of a, a a willful choice and rebellion. You see, sin's different when you when you fall into it or you ignorantly uh, do a certain behavior. That's that's a little bit different. But uh, when you come to the knowledge of what God wants you to do and you decide to do the opposite, what begins to happen is you begin to hide from God. You begin to skip your normal routines, and that is that you no longer go to uh, a prayer. You no longer go to the Word. You stop uh, attending your uh, going to church and stuff like that. And then it goes to the step three where you begin to start lying. You start lying about what you're really feeling, what you're really doing, what you, what everything that's going on inside of you. A vulnerability shuts off, and all of a sudden, everything gets defensive. And no matter what anybody says... Uh, you're going to come against that in, in a defensive manner because you have decided to run, you decide to hide, and you decide to lie. And so we begin to run from the presence of God. And what this translates to is we stay away from other Christians. We stay away from anybody who's telling us the truth. We stay away from people that would speak into our lives because it, it, it confronts our reality and it challenges us and it makes us upset. We get angry. We say things like, stop judging me, <laughs> right? Ask me how I know. I know. I've been there. I've done that, right? So we begin to blame shift, and, and, and what that means is we begin to point the finger at other people, and it's the pastor's fault. It's the church's fault. It's society's fault. It's the man's fault. And we begin to not take responsibility for our lives and say, you know what? I'm the one who is in control of my life. Whether I succeed or fail depends upon my mindset and my belief system and me believing in my heart that I matter as a person. And once I begin to have that mindset down, then I can begin to take responsibility and go forward in life and begin to conquer, rule and reign as the king that God has made me to be. Instead of doing that, I shift the blame. Somebody else is responsible. And we have this culture of liberalism that, that has this determination uh, of philosophy that, 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 that has taken away freedom from choice and that all of this that is happening to you is, 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 is somebody else bringing it to pass and you have no choice but to act and respond a certain way and all this stuff. And I, and I tell you that um, anything that takes away human responsibility... And our will and our ability to respond is a lie. So blame shift. I begin to uh, point the finger at other people. I, I don't take responsibility for my actions anymore. And I begin to make excuses. And this at its core, everything that I mentioned here, is, is, is the result of seeing something, um, the fruit, seeing something desirable, and wanting that despite knowing that God says it's not good for you. This is not the best that I have for you. And so it looks juicy. It looks nice. It looks it looks wonderful. And it's desired to make one wise. Not understanding the, the consequence or the outcome, the fruit and the reward of the choice is that we begin to run and hide. We begin to lie. Begin to run for the presence 
of God, we begin to blame, shift, fail to take responsibility, and we make excuses. And I don't say this from a, a judgmental standpoint because I have been there more times than I like to admit. But the message of responsibility and accountability before God is what frees me from that, from that downward spiral. And that is the moment I get in that cycle. And once again, I'll tell you the cycle. I hide from God. I lie. I begin to blame shift. I don't take responsibility and I start making excuses. That's the cycle. Now, Im immediately when I begin to take responsibility and that is begin to own my mistakes and say, you know what? This choice sucks. It's given, given me negative consequences. I don't like the fruit that it's getting in my life. I think I'm going to make a different choice. And that choice is, is one of responsibility where I'm going to stop making excuses. All of a sudden, I step out of the cycle of victimhood. And I begin to step into a new cycle of empowerment. And uh, everybody has the ability to make this choice. So that's how I can relate to Adam's behavior. After failing to listen to God. Next question. I don't even know what it is, but we'll find out. How can you relate to Paul's statement of having a willingness to do God's will, but not having the power to carry it out? Um, if you're not familiar with the scripture, it's in Romans chapter 7 there. And uh, Paul is talking about the law and under the religious system. So under the religious system of rule keeping, uh, Paul begins to lay out um, him having a willingness to do God's will, but not having the power to carry it out. And I think that if you ask me what's the main struggle inside the hearts of men uh, in this day and age, I will tell you that we have men who have had a changed experience, they have a changed heart, and they have the desire to do the right thing. But they can't seem to find the how or what to do next or the next step. What is the actual habit and behavior that is going to get me the results that I want? What is going to take me out of powerlessness? Because this is what the statement of Paul makes. I am willing to do God's will, but I don't have the power to carry it out. This is the ultimate uh, des description and definition of powerlessness. And that is that I don't have the power to live as I would like. And if you ask me again, the same thing with men is the same thing that is going on with society. Because here's the reality, that men's hearts are a reflection of society. So we can't, society is not a, it's a general term, right? But we can't say society's to blame without seeing that the conditions of men's hearts are to blame. So the conditions of men's hearts are, I want to do the right thing, but I don't know how, and I don't have the power to carry it out. And boy, can I relate to that. Man, there was uh, so many times in my life, especially new to the Christian faith, where I've seen a lot of ideals. <laughs> I've seen a lot of things. They were talking about, you know, holiness and keeping yourself pure and all of these things. And, and uh, you know, I had a, I've seen those things. 
and I had a, a willingness in my heart and, and a desire to carry out those things, right? But uh, I didn't have the ability within myself to carry it out. And that's good. That's a good thing. It's actually the lesson that, that God is probably trying to teach you. And that is coming to the realization that you don't have the power. Now, this is not a terrible lesson to learn. Uh, it actually goes back to the all have sinned uh, lesson that I in humility say that I don't have the power to carry out the good deeds that I claim to believe and that I want to carry out. Where does that lead you? It leads you back to the cross. And if you read uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul tells you exactly where it leads you. And it leads you to the spirit of the living God beginning to live on the inside of you and beginning to empower your life. So at one, one uh, truth is, I see standards. I don't have the ability to carry them out. I am powerless. I, I don't have what it takes. Good lesson, <laughs> right? And then you come to a, a dependence upon the Spirit of God operating in your life, and you begin to walk in the Spirit, uh, energized and illuminated by the, by the power of God that's operating in your life. Now, this is far different from commandment keeping. This is far different from struggling to, to please God. Because one is saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to strive and struggle to please God. But what we're going to come to, once again, is the state of powerlessness. And the state that Paul talked about. I have this idea, I have this ideal that I want to achieve, my de heart desires to achieve that, but I don't have the ability to carry out. That leads you, once again, to the Spirit of God operating inside of your life, if you be willing and let it. Many people stop there. You can use this statement as an excuse if you want. If you're running and you're hiding and you're failing to take responsibility, like I spoke about above, you could go ahead and grab this scripture and say, you know what? Uh, I really uh, empathize with Paul's struggle that, uh, you know, I have a desire to do the right things, but I don't have the power to carry it out. Drop it right there and say, you know what, this is my excuse card. And I'm going to use this because, you know, you know, Paul had a thorn and Paul struggled and Paul this and that. And we and we take these things and we relate to them, but we don't we don't grasp the full message of what's going on. So never use the word of God as an excuse uh, as a failure to take responsibility for your life. It's not going to bring you any good. All right, moving on. Next question. Next question. Identify the works of the flesh that you are drawn to. Okay, so in the works of the flesh, uh, you will find that, uh, I believe, probably in Galatians, uh, you will see the works of the flesh uh, clearly identified um, in those statements. So adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, hearsays, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Uh, so forth. So which ones do I relate to personally or have struggled with um, adultery in the sense of pornography and desiring uh, another wo a woman? Uh, I have experienced that fornication. I've experienced uncleanness, uh, lasciviousness. I don't even know what it means. I would have to get a dictionary, right? <laughs> Um, but you know, I relate to, I look at this list and I could say that, um, I could relate to half of the things, wrath, uh, 
strife, uh, drunkenness, right? All of these things, you know, I look at it and say, you know what? Um, I have struggled with the flesh. And every man struggles with the flesh. And so it's only the Spirit of God to begin to operate in our lives that begin to um, change some of these things. Now, I look at this list and I say, what do I still struggle with right now to this day? And I would probably say anger, um, that I have to process uh, my anger sometimes and really uh, understand what, what my anger and frustration is saying to me. And so I have to go through a process of uh, uh, of really doing that. And then uh, drunkenness, like I don't drink. Uh, I haven't drank for quite some time, um, but it's only a couple choices away if I if I choose to to do those things. Um, so those two would be probably the biggest. Moving on. Question. Think for a moment about your child. And if you had a child, what would you want for your child's life? Now think what God would want for your life. Begin to write these thoughts below. Um, this is a powerful question. And if you haven't done this exercise, I really encourage you to do so because it, it, is, it is a very, uh, very powerful thing to do. So what I would want from my child, first and foremost, is um, overall holistic life. Like if we're talking about my ch my children right now who live at home, uh, uh, going to be 13, 14, and 15, right? That, you know, as they grow up and move out of the house, what I want for them is holistic health. I want them to um, to have a spiritual life. I want them to uh, be in great health. I want them to pursue a good career that they find a sense of fulfillment in. I want them to find a great partner that uh, that they connect with that can grow. Uh, and of course, I want them to avoid some of the stupid mistakes that I've made. Um, if I were to give them a, a commandment to live by, I would say, hey, you don't always have to learn by experience. Uh, you can learn by wisdom and instruction. Uh, you don't always have to go to the school of hard knocks. Uh, that's what I would tell them. So seeing, you know, the overall health and wellness and goodness, uh, I see that I would want for my child. So when I begin to correlate to what God wants for me, I see the same thing. So there's many, many people I know that can't relate to a God who, who, who loves and a God who gives good gifts. Uh, they have this idea of God bringing a lot of pain, a lot of temptation, a lot of frustration. Uh, but what we don't understand is that the, that the Bible says that let no man say that he is tempted, he is tempted by God. And that is that he doesn't bring the temptation. Now imagine for a moment that you would pray, God, help me in this temptation when he is the one that brought it. Now this is asinine to think that, that you would begin to seek somebody who is the cause of your problem right? This is what we do in society today, uh, in politics, that they, they orchestrate, manipulate to create, create the scenarios. So you reach out to them for help. So the same person that is causing the problem, you're reaching out to help. It, it's asinine. It's crazy. God doesn't operate that way. So God, you know, I see God is very loving, uh, father, um, that is working, uh, amazingly inside of our lives. So, 
Next question, how can you begin to utilize your power to tread on serpents that are in your life? So um, in the curriculum here, we're talking about serpents and problems, temptations, anything that has taken place in your life. Um, and the question is, how can you utilize your power? I would say first by taking responsibility and stop making excuses. This is always my number one go-to and because it, it is the start of the godly life is beginning to take responsibility, understanding that uh, one day you will be held accountable. That God has given us talents, abilities, skills, and resources, and uh, he expects us thoroughly to use them and not hide them. And that there will come a day when you are going to have to answer for those things. So how am I going to utilize the power that is operating with me to begin to tread on serpent? Understanding this, and it's a hard reality to believe, but um, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. I would go even a step further that the same spirit that was with God at the creation, the foundation of the galaxies and the worlds uh, lives inside of you. So to begin to understand the, 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 the untapped resources um, that are at our disposal are unlimited. In fact, there is a Bible translation that, that says that we have access to these unlimited resources. Um, now there's a big problem in that because we don't recognize it. It's kind of like being a millionaire and winning the lottery, but not being aware, right? So you have all this money, you are a millionaire, but you don't believe that you are. And therefore you don't begin to experience the reality of it because of your limited belief systems, right? And so I believe that to be true. So utilizing my power uh, I wouldn't even call it my power because uh, it's the uh, the Bible says that it's the power that operates inside of you is allowing the Spirit of God to begin to operate in a mode and fashion that is going to bring me victory. And the bottom line is that I'm going to stop resisting. I'm going to stop grieving. I'm going to stop making choices that are contrary to what the Spirit of God wants to do inside of my life. That was the last question. I hope you enjoyed this. I wanted to drink my own Kool-Aid. I wanted to show you how this works. And so if you haven't joined our, our GCR groups, I encourage you to do so. And uh, have a great day, brother. I appreciate you uh, subscribing and listening to this podcast.